What's up, everybody? I'm Ben and welcome to another episode of Wide in the Middle with me. As always, my man Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What is up? Another another beautiful, beautiful week of racing. At least a couple series. Most everything else was rained out because apparently, apparently, uh, you know, spring's not gonna actually start until sometime in June, at least out here on the West Coast. So yeah, no, no, no dirt stuff happening, but we do have a bunch of other stuff to cover uh, in regards to specifically this last weekend at Atlanta. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, you probably know there's been all kinds of stuff happening after the aftermath that was the uh, NASCAR weekend at Atlanta. So a bunch of stuff to cover, but before we get into that, Keith, how was your, how was your weekend, man? Uh, it's pretty good pretty good um the weather's starting to hopefully change for the the better part of spring and stop being freaking cold because it it'd be 60 one day and it'd turn around and be 32 the next it just it sucks that is what we've been having out here man this has been probably the craziest man i it's got to be the craziest winter slash, I mean, we're, you know, spring was just a few days ago, the start of it, but it's definitely the craziest winter going into spring we've ever had out here, at least in my lifetime. It, it's been nuts, dude. It's, and it's still crazy. Like, it's not like it's gotten normal. And look, I am one of those people that if it never got above 70 degrees, I'd be happy. I, I I despise the heat. I can't stand it. I absolutely hate it. Um, you know, if it like I said, never got above 70, I would be it's that's heaven. Now I do like seasons. I like it to be you know, I do like cold winter months, you know, I do like fall. You know, to me if spring and summer were just one big long season of like 70 degrees like i said i'd be perfect but uh this this year man with this these whatever bomb cyclones or whatever the hell's been hitting us in these atmospheric you know rivers or whatever we used to call that a pineapple express i don't know why they changed it to an atmospheric river out here but i don't know it's just been weird man it's still raining here um yeah it's 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 been wild so we'll see yeah we'll see what I'm happens not- not too thrilled about it because now it's it's real nice out right now. I got my windows open, but in a couple hours it's supposed to rain and it ain't supposed to stop raining until like Monday morning. I'm I'm over it. Yeah, I'm already over it. But I'm with you. I, I like I like the seasons. Now, if I could sell the humidity and get it the frick out of here, I'd I, I would make it ten times better. Oh, when it's hundred, then the humidity's yes. high, and then it feels like it's two hundred. I'm out. Yes. I'm done. I ain't doing a damn thing outside. Yeah, understand that one of the thing, one of the the top things on my to do list is to get the out of California. I absolutely cannot stand this state. It's ridiculous. Each and every day, it just gets worse and worse. But there are about forty out of. The- out of, the, out of the lower 48 here in the U.S. that I will not move to specifically for humidity. I cannot stand the humidity. It is horrible. 
I spent, I've spent only a couple of months in it total in my entire life. And I was like, nope, never again. I'll never do it again. It freaking sucks. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how you live. I don't know how you survive a summer in the humidity. I just don't know how you do it. Cause it's horrible. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it. I hate everything about it. If I could go somewhere where there isn't humidity, I would. Yeah, it's one of the only good things about California. It really is. And the West Coast states in general, California, Oregon, Washington, even when you get into like Montana, Utah, you know, Colorado, it's, you know, Nevada, Arizona. Now, Arizona obviously gets really hot because it's desert. But yeah, you know, it's those places aren't aren't bad when it comes to, you know, there's not much humidity. But once you like cross it, you know. Get into get into the flyover country, and then obviously to the east and the south, and you know up north where you're at. It's just ugh, no, thank you. I'm good. So yeah, but yeah. Hopefully, Throw hopefully we'll see. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see some some changes in the weather here soon. But before we dive into a ton of NASCAR news this week, we gotta cover. I, I gotta cover in the open today. Um, what is potentially setting up as a very interesting situation on the F1 front. Now, if you watched the race last week at Saudi Arabia, uh, you saw Sergio Perez, Checo, get the win. Um, Red Bull was obviously the most dominant cars there. It really wasn't close when you consider the fact that Max Verstappen had to take a penalty start 15 or not take a penalty, excuse me, but they had the issues in qualifying. He started 15th and then ran his way up to second. Now, obviously, we can sit there and make the debates and, and have the arguments. If he had a few more laps, he could have caught president. None of that matters. At the end of the day, what matters is Checo got the win, Verstappen finished second, and now you've got a situation where the two Red Bull drivers are separated by only one point. Max Verstappen is leading Checo by one point, and it's starting to look like the potential for another Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg situation where we could see potentially, right? There's a lot of things that got to happen, but potentially Checo make a legitimate run at a championship. Now, obviously, we are only two weeks into a very long season. But it brings up a very interesting situation because you have to start asking the question, at what point does Red Bull allow this to be an actual race for the championship? Right? At what point does Red Bull sit back and say, hey, look, you know, Checo's the points leader, right? Even though he's not right now, let's say he is. What if Verstappen has trouble the next two out of three races and Checo wins those races? What then? Do you now sit back and tell Verstappen, hey, look, we're we're back in Perez this season and he's going to be our main focus for the Drivers' Championship and we need you to support him? Will they do that? Or will they sit back and say, you two race it out? We saw this years ago, back in 2016, with Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton, right? Lewis Hamilton had won two championships already in a row. He won 14, he won 15. Mercedes was obviously dominating at that point. That was right at the, you know, first couple years of the hybrid era. They came out of the gate strong. Red Bull had had their dominant 
four-year run where they had, you know, won four straight championships with Vettel. And now Hamilton comes out of the gate with Mercedes in the hybrid era, wins back-to-back championships, his third overall. And now him and Nico Rosberg are battling for a championship and Rosberg ends up winning the title. And if you then remember, you know, adios Nico Rosberg, Hamilton wins the next four straight. And it's this one little blip in the Lewis Hamilton career at Mercedes. And it begs the question, could we see that again? Now, if you are looking at it based just purely on a driver talent level, there is nobody out there who's going to say that Checo is on the same level as Verstappen when it comes to talent. He's just not, all right? If you gave all of the team principals and the owners and even the other drivers truth serum, I would probably say 80% of them would take Max Verstappen over anybody else, right? You're going to have a few who are going to take Hamilton. You probably even have one or two who would still take Fernando Alonso after another podium. Alonso is definitely showing people that when he's got a car capable of running up front, the dude could, the dude still got it. Um, I talk about it all the time that there are people in F1 who will say even right now that Fernando Alonso is the most talented driver on the grid, even at 41, 42 years old. And if you watched what he has done with that Aston Martin, it's been remarkable. And Verstappen is at that level, right? Max Verstappen's ability to drive, his ability to push the car to the limit. Um, you know, yes, he takes chances, but that's that's racing, right? Art and Senna said it best. If you see a gap that you no longer go for, you are no longer a race car driver. And Verstappen doesn't need a gap. He needs a crack and he goes for it. Okay. Now Perez is a very good driver. He is very capable. To make F1, you have to be talented. Okay. I don't care how much sponsorship money you bring. I don't care if you've got backing, right, from billionaires. At the end of the day, if you get a seat in F1, especially if you can win races, you are talented. And Perez is talented. All right. He has one of the greatest wins of all time, in my opinion, where he literally got spun on the first lap, went to the back of the pack, and he worked himself through the entire field and got the win. All right. It was his first ever win, and it was one of the most incredible victories you will ever see. Okay. And he did that in a racing point car. It was not the Red Bull. And now he's in a car that's not only capable of podiums, but is capable of victories and championships. And so what happens if he gets the upper hand on Verstappen, right? This is purely hypothetical, right? It's, it's, it, it, a lot has got to, to fall into place for this to even continue as a conversation. But as I watched Perez win this last weekend at Saudi Arabia, it made me think of Rosberg and Hamilton. What happens if after three or four weeks, right, maybe four or five weeks, we've got a battle here or Perez is actually a couple of points on top? Will Red Bull back Perez or will they just sit back and say, you two have it out, but don't destroy each other in the process? And it's one that I actually hope happens because the way that the season is shaping up right now, I don't think there is another team out there that could challenge 
the Red Bull drivers. So hopefully we'll see a battle between the two of them for the championship. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there. Uh, you know, do the old school, like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car, or you can go with Produxa. You guys, I've personally used this stuff and it works incredible, man. Whether it's their ceramic coating, their wash, their tire shine, and it not only looks great, but it's super easy to use. I mean, my 10-year-old son was helping me use this stuff and we used it on my daughter's car and the car literally looked new. And my daughter's 17, so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it. So if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it, head over to Produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today. I can promise you, you will love them. All right, so let's dive into the hit or miss portion of the show. Keith, we got a bunch of topics to dive into. Very busy week in the world of NASCAR. So are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. All right. So first up, Saturday's Xfinity race was an absolute joke and nascar chose to use josh williams as the scapegoat for his actions hit or miss the mark i think it hits the mark um they were getting out of that tv window and i mean let's be honest the xfinity race up to that point was a shit show mm -hmm. like an absolute shit show i don't i don't know what the issue was um but yeah, I definitely think they used Josh Williams as a scapegoat to to get themselves out of that situation, which is very unfortunate. It is. It absolutely is. Um I I went back and I watched the race after cuz I started seeing all this stuff about Josh Williams on my, you know, popping up on my phone, on my news feeds. I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" And so I go back and I watch the race. And I see what happens and I see what he does, right? Parks it on the, on the straightaway. And personally, I think you're 100% correct. NASCAR used him as a scapegoat. This was their chance to kind of point the finger and blame it on him. The race was an absolute joke leading up to that. Um, it was such a just luster clock man it was ridiculous dude how many cautions did they have how many ridiculous it was just it was so bad it absolutely just made it well, made me hate the package at that track even more than i already did and yeah. to have a piece of tape fall off his car and then park him and then him do that i you know i i thought i thought that they were just laying as much as they possibly could on him yeah, and what don't make any sense to me is why the cautions take so long to clean up. I don't it get it. Ever, I just I don't understand it. No, I don't understand it neither. And why couldn't they? Why didn't they see the tape when they were under caution? Right, like if you go back and watch, yeah, they like, there for a lap and a half. Yeah, right. Like I don't get it. And then all of a sudden, when they're under green, now it's hey, park it. I, 
I don't know. I thought I thought it was a bad look on NASCAR's part, and yeah, the race sucked. And it was yeah. I think that was just them basically laying the blame where they could. So yeah, it, whatever. But anyways, next topic. Continuing on uh, what we just talked about, NASCAR has suspended Josh Williams for his actions for one race, and they were justified in doing so. Hit or miss the mark? Uh, I think it misses the mark. I, I really do. I don't understand why they told him to park it over a piece of tape, because here, here's my thing. And I'm going to probably hear a bunch of shit from a certain fan base. <laughs> And I'm sure you could see where I'm going with this. Charlotte Roval, a couple years ago, you have said car, Chase Elliott, lose the bumper cover. Was he parked? Absolutely nope. not. Was he black flagged? Absolutely not. So why in the hell was it done to Josh Williams over what? A piece of tape. We're talking about a piece of tape, a piece of bear bond. It's basically like a big piece of duct tape Yep. for, for the people that don't know it. it it's harmless. It's not going to hurt the car. And I've heard all kinds of dumb shit over this about, well, it's a safety issue. What's the safety issue? They told him to park it, so he parked it. They never yeah. specified where to park it. He chose to park it on the front straightaway and leave it there as his point of this is bullshit. And I agree. I think it's complete bullshit. I think it's dumb. And, you know, I got I to gotta pat Denny Hamlin on the back for stepping up and saying, hey, any fines that's accrued from this, I got you. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I'm torn on this part. I do understand NASCAR's suspending him. Um, and I, I understand. I understand the suspension. I don't like it. Uh, I kind of knew that they were going it. to suspend him though, just because to me, him parking his car on the front stretch like that, like that's a that's that's a big middle finger to NASCAR, and so I could see them suspending him because it's like, dude. You can't show them up like that. Um, but yeah, that being said, I'm with you. I For a piece of tape, it was so stupid. And they they should have caught it under caution like we talked about. And for them to do that, it, it's just, it, it was wrong. Uh, and it sucks that he's going to miss a race, but I do think it's been awesome that he's been able to get as much publicity as he has been. So Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and good publicity at that. Like he's mm -hmm. going on all these nascar shows podcast whatever you want to and, and whatever but here here's here's my defense in that because i know somebody's gonna be like well keith it, it's never really happened in nascar but it has yeah how many times have we allowed kyle bush to pull the same shit mm -hmm. park his car on pit road and just leave it there yeah. or drive through cones and nothing be done never i i think this was nascar saying you know what the race was a shit so show Saturday. We got to do something. So let, let's just suspend the guy. And, and and the shitty part is, is Josh is a blue collar guy. Um, he's not one of these doesn't race for a rich car owner where they can just throw money to the wind. And, yeah. and I, it, it happened to a person that I don't think deserved to have it happen to. I just, if anything, if he suspended race control from Saturday needs to be suspended also. Yeah, I thought they dropped the ball big time and yeah, it's just it sucks to see. Um actually I actually Hopefully heard he uh, and rebound from it because you imagine him getting suspended and then come back and win a race. Yeah, that would be awesome. 
But I heard a clip of him talking about how because he hasn't made a race at Coda and because he is going to be suspended this race next year at Coda, he's still going to have to run the rookie stripes on his bumper, which is awesome. (laughs) That's so good. It's so good. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty hilarious. But anyways, moving on, let's talk to some let's talk some actual race and stuff. So Saturday, while your man Kevin Harvick was leading the race, he got spun and Ross Chastain did not dump Kevin Harvick for the lead at Atlanta hit or missed the mark. Um. It definitely hits the mark because they didn't touch. They never touched. Um, it was close. It was very close. I think I think what happened is that the air just got sucked up off the back of Kevin's spoiler and it turned him, unfortunately. And that's that's this new package. Uh, yeah. Now, if he would have touched him, I, I'd, I'd say, well, Ross is back on the don't give a fuck tour. But yeah. fortunately, fortunately for Kevin, it's his last year or so. Maybe maybe he goes back out and takes care of business with Ross. Who knows? I don't think it, I can't I can't say that it's Ross's fault. No, nah, me neither. And even Harvick, when he was interviewed, said he was like, I don't think he touched me. Um, I think just the way he came across the bumper like that, you know, and the and the way he sucked up. You know, Tony Stewart talked about it in the booth as well. You know, the way that he's he, the way that he closed and came across the bumper like that. I think it was more of an arrow deal. And, you know, these cars with those rear diffusers, when they get that close and you take that air, you know, all of a sudden that thing stalls. What people don't understand is, is that when you have a a rear diffuser, when you have these ground effects like these cars have in these rear diffusers, when you get that close to the rear diffuser and you come across the bumper like that, you're not just taking air off of the rear of the car. What you are doing is, is you you can literally lift the rear end of the car off the ground because that air, which is supposed to be coming out of the back of the car from the diffuser now has nowhere to go. And Harvick talked about hearing the rear tires chatter, which to me makes it sound like the the air was literally packing up underneath the rear of the car. It probably lifted it up a little bit. These things, the suspensions on them, right? They're so stiff. They're so low. It doesn't take much for those tires to come up you know, just a little bit and you can be off the ground and he got spun, you know? So I think it's more of a product of just the racing that they're doing at Atlanta. And, you know, the, the fact that Ross had a hell of a run, he got up close and just, you know, but to me, it looked like he was actually trying to not get into the back of him. Um, and you know, he, he was trying to get off the right rear, which is the, you know, at, with these cars, you know, they always talk about to protect that right rear because that can make the car stall out. You lose a ton of speed. You can lose the air. So it looked to me like Chastain was actually trying to stay off Harvick's right rear. Like he was trying to keep him from, from stalling out and it just ended badly. So yeah, to me, it was just racing and yeah, Harvick and- unfortunately got the raw end of the deal. And I got to applaud Kevin for his interview after I figured it was going to be some, some tirade tangent, but it wasn't. And he, he took it on the chin and, and yep. I think he took it and, uh, better than most people would for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. So speaking of Harvick, or I 
Kevin Harvick has announced that he will be running the Cars Tour race at North Wilkesboro, which is a good thing for both NASCAR and late model stock racing. Hit or miss the mark? I already know where you stand on this. I don't even have to ask. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> hits the mark. Uh, I mean, anytime a a star in the Cup Series goes back to the grassroots, I think is great for both both parts, both sides. Um, I think it's great for the Cars Tour. Um, it's great for NASCAR and, and, and people are going to be like, well, why do you think that? Well, it's going to sell tickets yes, for absolutely. the cars tour portion of the race. If, if they even do that, it might be all in, in one, but it's going to sell tickets. It's going to put people in the stands. It's going to put eyes on the cars tour. Cause I'm sure Dale jr. Is probably going to run it also. Um, and th- and this is where Kevin comes from. He, mm-hmm. he comes from the late model stocks from way back when um and i think it's great i think it's great to see kevin go back to to where he originated from for the most part i know he started in go-karts but anytime you can get get a superstar like kevin dale jr and and others go down and and race with the saturday night short track heroes i think is awesome yep me too I, I I do. I think it's uh I think it's incredible, just because of, uh you know what. What it does for like you said the the lower series and, you know we're we're at a we're we've come to a point now with social media and streaming and all that stuff like that, where you could literally watch. Whatever racing you want, right? Like if. I want to watch the Cars Tour run at South Boston Speedway in a couple of weekends. I can do that. And you could not do that when we were kids, right? I couldn't do that. The only racing that I could see was either on TV, and that was either NASCAR or it was the occasional World of Outlaws sprint car race, right? Back on, you know, the old TNN days, okay? Or you had like, you know, thursday night thunder on espn like that was it you know i could not just watch any dirt race from anywhere in the country or watch any late model stock race or super late model race you couldn't do that and you can do that now so anytime the fact that you can do that and then you have someone like kevin harvick who is going to race that car at a track like north wilkesboro which is the week of the whole all-star race and everything else and it's incredible. So I think it's a really good thing and, um, for him to be doing it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him run it. And, and imagine what it's going to do for the every, everyday Joe that races in the cars tour and you beat a guy like Kevin Harvick it, it'll build some confidence for sure. Yeah. Plus it brings um, some publicity to, to you and the series. Yeah. And, and, it, and it puts, it puts eyes on a sport on a series in a sport where there really ain't many eyes. There really isn't. Um, and, and not only with Kevin running, but being a part owner of the cars tour, I think it's just great. I think we're going to see probably what Kevin Harvick's going to be doing next season. So, yeah, I think he's, I'm more interested in late model stock races. I'm more interested to see how Rodney Childers is going to work on both cars. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. So little birdie has told me that Rodney will be working on that car store car for him. That, that, I'm really hoping that after Harvick retires, he does do some cars tour races. Um, I would like uh, to see Dale Jr. do some more, 
you know, I know he does his one Xfinity race a year, but I would, I, I think it'd be cool if he did four or five late model stock races just because. That would be awesome. Yeah, it would be, you know, the last one that, that he did was, you know, was cool. He had a really good run at North Wilkesboro. So, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping Junior runs that race as well. I think it would be cool to see. All right, next up. After scoring his best finish of his career in the Cup Series, Corey LaJoy is now consistently showing that he has more than enough talent to compete with the top drivers in the Cup Series. Hit or miss the mark? Um, I, I definitely think it hits the mark. I'm a, I'm a Corey LaJoy fan. Uh, I'm always down for an underdog guy, and and he's always been the underdog guy. He's never been in top equipment. He's never been with the top team. And and now it's showing that, hey, maybe Hendrick should have been like, hey, Corey, why don't you just come drive the nine? But like we talked about before, if he goes and drives the nine, what happens when he goes back to the seven? Will they yeah. lose that touch? Or or will it get better? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I will say Corey LaJoy is performing a lot like Michael McDowell did last year with the first year with the next-gen car. Um, and I think it's going to – I think this season for Corey LaJoy is, a, is, is either – Prove it or don't prove it. And I think he's proven it. I think he's showing these top teams that are going to have some seats open next season that, hey, take a gamble on a guy that doesn't have money backing him or or big multi-million dollar corporations backing him to, to yeah. take a gamble on a guy like Corey LaJoy. I think he's more than deserving for a top ride. I think his time is coming and he is showing that, hey, that Spire team was a joke a couple years ago, but now now they're they're really starting to hit their mark and they're showing that hey they can show up and be fast. They are. Um I I think it actually brings up an inter- interesting discussion in terms of does Corey LeJoy decide to stay, right? Does he does he actually decide to stay at Spire Motorsports? Is he worried that he could be leaving something that is on the ascension you know i mean you look at where they were a couple years ago to where that team is now they've made leaps and bounds and they continue to get better each year now one thing that has happened um i actually was was it a week two weeks ago i I listened to lajoy's podcast stack and pennies um it's actually one of the things I look forward to most on Thursdays and Fridays because I get to listen to all the podcasts I haven't listened to yet this week um, after we do ours. But uh, he talked about how his team, you know, Spire kind of gets cannibalized by the bigger teams, right? Like any of the top talent that they have, they end up they end up getting plucked to another team. So, you know, I, could they keep those guys in house and he want to stay there and try to build something? I, you know, it's interesting, right? If you have one of these other top teams that come to call and does he leave? I, I think it, it brings up an interesting situation and debate. I do think the guy can drive. Um, all you have to do is go back and look at, you know, the, the years leading up to cup, you know, he came up, we talked about this before he came up with all those guys with Blaney and Bubba Wallace and Chase Elliott and, you know, and, he beat them. You know what I mean? Like he beat them. Um, and he was in lesser equipment than, than, than those guys, even back then. So I, I think he's even still, I think he is underrated. I think he's an incredible talent and, uh, yeah, I, he's definitely showing 
um, that it's I, no fluke I, that he can run up front with those guys. I think it's also starting to show and help that Spire is putting more money into that seven team. They're they're putting more time in the sim stuff. They're putting more time in research and development. They're, I mean, it's starting to show. It it, it, it is. It's really starting to show. The seven is outperforming the seventy-seven every week. Yes, and they're from the same team, mm-hmm. and and it's shown that hey, this uh, the seven teams starting to show their true potential, and I think it's just going to get better as the season goes. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm really hoping to see him get a win. Uh, I that would be awesome. All right. Last but not least. After what was a ridiculous weekend at Atlanta. After the track changes, Atlanta will never put on another good NASCAR race. Hit or miss the mark. Um, I think it's going to hit the mark. I hate the new configuration of Atlanta. Sorry about that. My daughter is in my lap. My no problem. <laughs> um. I think it definitely hits the mark. Um, now it's just a big snooze fest, and this new package does not help. No, it doesn't. And I'm I'm going to say that it misses the mark, and th- here's the only reason why. I'm hoping, right, we're all, we already seen where handling was starting to come into play after just a couple of races there, right? But they, they had it repaved, you know, the year before. They ran two races on it last year, and this one this year. But there's a little bit of an asterisk next to my answer because if they continue to run this high downforce, low horse package, low horsepower package, I don't think it will be a good, I don't think we'll see another good race there. I think it sucks. I don't want to see pack racing at mile and a half tracks. I don't like it. I never have liked it. I didn't like it when they did it with the Gen 6 car. I thought it sucked in. It was actually one of the reasons why I was just like, I'm done with this crap. I'm not watching NASCAR no more because I did not want to see a bunch of Daytonas and Talladegas at all these other tracks. I thought it sucked. Okay. When you're basically wide open around the track, it's horrible. It's stupid. I don't like it. All right. So even if, you know, the track does wear out and handling becomes more of a, um, you know, a prevalent factor in terms of the race, you're still going to have these slow ass cars at Atlanta. I do think the reconfig, you know, could be good racing. I think Atlanta could be good racing. One of the unique things about Atlanta is the, you know, the area that it's in, you know, the track can wear out rather quickly. Um, you know, we could see multi-groove racing there if they would get rid of this stupid package at the mile and a half track. I don't think that we need this package at Atlanta. I I just, I don't. I think it's horrible. I don't like it. And I really, really wish that they would try to do a race there without that package. Use the regular package and just see what happens. All right. They, they run plenty of mile and a half tracks. It's not like they're going to show up and be like, oh my God, what are we going to do here? They can figure it out. Okay. They'll get it dialed in and it would be, I think, a much better race. The thing that people, that drives me nuts about some NASCAR fans, okay, is the fact that they equate a good race 
to cars being around each other and passing. That does not mean it's a good race. All right. You could have a race with 50 lead changes in it. It doesn't mean that it's a good race. A good race is different strategies. You know, drivers being able to maximize their skill and ability. When you have everybody in this small little box, and now it's just a matter of, well, can I get a run and can somebody push me to the front? That sucks, man. It's it. I hate it. Right? I absolutely hate it. Right? It's one of the things that's kind of a bummer about Daytona. Daytona is the most prestigious race there is. The Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl of NASCAR. And at the end of the day, no matter how good you are, you are not winning if you don't have somebody who's going to draft with you. That's a shitty situation to be in. So for me, to really save Atlanta, get rid of this freaking this high downforce, low horsepower package at the track. We don't need it. Put the regular package on. Let them actually go into the corners and actually have to lift off the throttle for a change. I mean, like, come on, let's just do that. And then let's see what happens to the track and the racing moving forward. All right, so that is going to do it for the hit or miss portion of the show. But after the break, we will be back with our NASCAR pick'em results. Keith beat me yet again. And we'll make our picks for this next week at Coda. So stick around. All right. So let's take a look at our NASCAR pick'em results. Keith, you beat me once again. You had Corey LaJoy, uh, who finished fourth. I had Alex Bowman, who finished behind fourth. (laughs) (laughs) So you are up on me. You've won or out of the first five, you beat me four out of the first five. So you're definitely kicking my ass right now. All right, so we got Coda this week. Who is your pick for Coda? I am going to go with. Hmm. I got it down to two guys, and I don't know which one I want to use first. But Ross Chastain's going to go back to back. He he's going to go back to back at Coda. He's going to. One, of course, one last year. I think he's going to win it again this year. All right. So you got Ross Chastain. Okay. I've got two drivers on my list as well. And I'm trying to think of who I want to go with. Ah. Uh, Man, cannot decide if I want to go with Almondinger or Raikkonen. I really want to go with Kimi Raikkonen. I think Kimi Raikkonen is going to have a really good race. I thought he showed really good speed at Watkins Glen before he got into that accident. And this Coda is a track that he's actually raced at in F1. So I, I really want to pick him. I really do. Actually, I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger. I think all, I, if you remember, Allmendinger was actually up in the front battling last year with Ross Chastain before all the chaos happened. So, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger. I like it. I, I was I was tossing around the idea of going with Jensen Button, but it's his first time in these cars, and I was like, yeah, it might not be a good. 
a good time to pick him. I mean, he's going to be in a Stuart Haas car. Yeah. But I, th- I think Ross Chastain will be be fine. He's going to be tough to beat. Um, I think we're going to see him. You know, Christopher Bell is another one that I was kind of tossing around. He does really good at the road courses. You know who actually has like more road course wins over the last couple of years than any other driver in NASCAR? Uh, Chase Elliott? No, it's Kyle Larson. I think Kyle Larson's got like more, oh, yeah. more road course yeah, wins yeah. than any other driver over the. I can't remember what the most. Uh, Actually, can can I? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He has the most in a season. I knew I had that stat there. The most in a season. He won three road course races in 2021. Anyways, you want to change your pick? Yeah. Can I change my pick? Yeah. I'm gonna go Jordan Taylor. Oh, wild card pick, huh? Yeah. I just. And something about him in these cars, I think, is going to mesh well. That's a good one. All right. Well, that, then you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then I'm gonna change my pick to Kimi Raikkonen. We're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have a race off with the road course ringers it, this week. And it in the way I was kind of sitting here thinking about it, my gears are turning. Like, man, if I could go with a road course ringer, it'll leave Ross in my back pocket till later. Yeah, I don't have to use him now, so it's like uh, it's a double-edged sword. Do I do it or do I not do it? See, that's, that's like, why I was debating on AJ or Kimmy because I would like to save AJ for a later road course race. Yeah. So okay, so then I'm gonna take Kimmy Raikkonen, and you're gonna take Jordan Taylor. Then in, we'll and have they're a both duel of the road course ringers. They're both good picks. The good thing is, Kimmy has raced these cars, and he, I think he ran exceptionally well when he did run these cars. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, Jordan Taylor's ran IMSA stuff, Trans Am stuff, so he's kind of familiar with the way the car is. Yes. To a point. I know there are some things that are different, but I think Jordan Taylor comes out, and he, he shocks some people. Yeah. I, I definitely think same with Kimmy. I, I yeah. really think they both you can't go wrong with either one. No, I definitely think both of those guys are are legitimate, you know, top five potential you know, even you know, obviously top ten potential contenders, but I do think oh, they 100%. could even one of them could get a top five. Absolutely. 100%. It wouldn't be surprised. No. I would not be shocked if one of them won. I really wouldn't. Now so. watch. Now watch. AJ Almendiger and, and Ross are gonna yeah, finish gonna yeah. be like well, damn yeah yeah that's right well that's okay if you're gonna pick jordan taylor i want to go with kimmy then we can like i said we can have a the duel of the road course ringers so we'll see we'll see how it shapes up but yeah that'll leave that'll leave uh aj for me to use later because yeah i was like god dang i really want to use him at one of these other tracks so so yeah all right well that'll be fun we'll uh we'll hopefully Hopefully one of my hopefully my guy hopefully Kimmy can beat Jordan Taylor so I can actually freaking win one of these damn things. Only won one so far this season. You've been kicking my ass. Well, and that's another thought I had. Like, man, I got a big somewhat of a points lead. Why not just take a gamble? There you go. Why not take a flyer on a guy that probably won't race anymore in this season unless something else happens with Chase and his recovery. But... Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. All right, so to wrap up today's show, we're going to do our pick for the GOAT of the week. As you guys know, this is uh, kind of the play on, you know, ridiculous sports media where it's, you know, we always talk, you know, somebody does something great and then now it's, are they the greatest of all time? 
So we've got our goat of the week pick. So Keith, who is your goat of the week? Josh Williams. He is uh, my goat of the week. Um, for a little guy to to stand up to NASCAR the way he did, I know people don't like it, and they're like, "Well, it's a detriment to the sport." I thought it was freaking awesome um, for him to just park the car on the front straightaway and put up the peace sign, walk away, and then do the heart to the camera. I, yeah, <laughs> it made the shit show of a race a little better. Yeah, it's the only reason it's being talked about literally at all. Otherwise, it would have been a disaster. Yep. Yeah, I got to go with him. All right. Well, my goat of the week is a little bit different because it's not a person. It is a track. And my goat of the week is North Wilkesboro after they did the cup test there because apparently it's incredible the tire fall off is like three seconds plus um i am really looking forward to the all-star race at north wilkesboro i think that that might actually be one of the best races of the year um after the test there it uh yeah it's it's i i it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome and you know another really cool thing is the fact that harvick is going to be running his uh the throwback the I throwback think the 29 the 29 paint scheme um, that's all awesome. yeah to to go to the paint scheme not only the paint scheme but the number yep the iconic number 29 that he made popular yep went in that race with that at atlanta and so i think it's really cool man so yeah when i heard about the test and tyler reddick basically like dude hold off paving this as long as you possibly can it's like thank you that's oh. that's what we want let me let me ask you this. Say this race turns out to be a success. They say, "Now nah, we're not going to pave it." Do you make this race a points race next season if it uh, puts on a good race? I do. Because as of now, from what I, I mean, I've heard the same thing that you're hearing. The cars are slipping and sliding. They can't really get the grip down like you want. But the fall off is great, and that's what we're missing with the new cars: the yes. fall off. Mm-hmm. There is no fall off. Yep. Um, I. I I am for making it a points race. I would actually what what I would love to see if the all-star race turns out good, what I would love to see is I would love to see them keep the all-star race at North Wilkesboro and then make it one of the final 10 playoff races. That's what so, I would like to see. He here was my thought last night while I was running some laps at Sebring getting ready for this 12-hour race. I was I was like, man, if this race does turn out good, do you put it in the schedule and then you take the all-star race and you travel around to these old iconic short tracks and, and revitalize them. Like my, my thought, my image in my head is Nashville short track next season. We'll take see. It to the fairgrounds. I think if they did something like that, I think that would be incredible. I do. I really do. I personally think that there should be a rule in NASCAR that if you own a track, that's on the NASCAR schedule and you are going to repave it. I think that you have, you are mandated to use either the, the uh, seashell mix or the granite mix. And if you guys don't know what that is, that's the, the basically the, the asphalt is it's a bunch of stuff that's all mixed together. 
And if you look at a track like Darlington, Darlington has seashells in it, right? Crushed seashells as like the, the binding material, which yeah, makes it extremely <laughs> rough. You know what I mean? It makes it extremely rough. Same thing with the granite materials. So I think they should use uh, it's mandatory. Hey, look, man, you've got to use these super abrasive series, or these super abrasive materials because we want the tire fall off. Because I think that's one of the things that makes that's what made NASCAR racing unique. You know what I mean? And it also made the the racing far more um respectful among the drivers. You heard Kyle Bush talk about it, um, where there's just the respect level is not there anymore because you have to fight for everything. The you know, Denny Hamlin talked about it too. The days of just letting somebody go by you. Because you knew in 10 to 15 laps, dude, this thing stays green. I'm going to pass you like you're in reverse, right? Because you're going to, you're burning up your stuff. And those days are gone. And there's people who, you know, are happy about that. But to me, that's what made NASCAR what it was. You know, that's what made it so it was unique, right? You want to see a, you want to see, you know, 30 cars go out there and push it to the max for, 50 laps. Well, I can see that in short track racing, right? I can see that in other forms of racing. NASCAR to me was you had to have the thing run for 500 miles. You know, that was one thing that you always heard talked about with Dale Earnhardt, right? Like, I mean, he would qualify good, but his concern wasn't really qualifying. It wasn't speed. It was the car's got to work for 500 miles. Got to be comfortable. It's got to work. And it paid off for him, right? The man won a ton of races in seven championships. Um, though that that's not the case anymore. You know, so I, I am, I'm with you. I think it would be cool to kind of bring this back around. I think it would be cool to see them do that with some of these older tracks. I know that Nashville Fairgrounds is really close to to having kind of the final approval for everything, and I, I think it would be um, awesome if they did something like that. The the last I heard with the fairgrounds, the final approval was approved. Okay, so so there you go. The woman that that kept bitching about, well, the noise, this and that, it was approved. They shut her up. There's going to be racing at National Fairgrounds. It's just a matter of when now. Yeah, and, well, and, that's the thing that Marcus was going to be. Marcus Smith was going to be building a sound barrier and all this stuff like that. You don't get that without him. No, <laughs> and and what a better way to kick off National Fairgrounds. Have the all-star race there. Mm -hmm. Take the cars tour there with them. Mm -hmm. Make this a yearly thing with the all-star race and just travel it around like the Pro Bowl Yep. in football. Yep. Um, I would love to keep it at the same place, like at North Wilkesboro, if it does goes as good as we hope. Then yes. put it on the schedule and, and run there two times a year. But if it does work out and the racing is really good, put it on the schedule now take the all-star race and just travel around to all these short tracks that that were a part of nascar years and years ago if they're still standing because there's been a lot yeah. of them that's been torn down yeah and revitalize them bring bring attention back to them and i think i think that is kind of on the radar like another track that i would love to see them bring back and uh I know Dale Jr. is never going to listen to this, but if he ever does, Nazareth would be a good one. Yeah, that was a really cool track. Unique, uh, different. Yeah. Now it's a forest. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so yeah. 
that's my goat of the week, the North Wilkesboro Speedway. I think it's uh, I I've I love it. I've never looked more forward to an all star race ever in, in my entire fandom in NASCAR. So yeah, and, I, and it'll be fun. Not not to keep beating the dead horse here. Um, I think this package that the short track package that they were testing at North Wilkesboro kind of gives me hope for Martinsville. Yes. So, but I'm I'm gonna tread lightly here because let's let's be honest, last year just flat out sucked. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's the thing. I I do believe that w- one way to counteract the ridiculous shifting is to have massive fall off with the tires. Right. When you're talking about three seconds of fall off at a at a track that is literally six tenths of a mile, right? North Wilkesboro is just a little bit bigger than a half mile track. When you have three seconds of fall off, that shifting definitely you can't just kick it down gears and stomp that throttle. I mean, you can, but you're gonna spin the tires and probably loop the car. So, you know. I'm, they they're probably still shifting, but it's not nearly the advantage that it is when you've got those fresh tires or you're on a track with a ton of grip. So, I I really I'm really looking forward to it. And like I like you said, it gives me some hope for Martinsville. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, after Coda, we've got what is it Richmond? I think which is going to be a really good litmus test to see how this new package performs. Um, because yeah, Phoenix Phoenix is not really a short track. I don't know what it is. We talked about this last week. I don't know what yeah. it is, but it's not really a short track. It it's is the in black dimensions. Yeah, it just, it, just, it sucks. Phoenix sucks. To, to me, it doesn't fit the build of a of a short track. Um, and it don't race like a short track either. So I, no. I don't know why people are like, well, wait till we go to the short track of Phoenix. Is it really a short track? Yeah. It's like calling Richmond a short track now. Is it really a short track? Because it don't race like it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, well, they don't they don't pull the speeds at Richmond though that they do at Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix dude, they're getting up to like one sixty or something like that. Yeah, like, that's not really a short fast. track. No, a short track. Uh, don't don't yeah. race that fast. No, uh, uh-uh. so, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But that's gonna do it for this week's episode. So as always, everybody, thank you very much. Please download, share, like, subscribe, follow. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can find podcasts. Um, yeah, but please help us continue to get this out there and yeah, we'll be back next week to do it all over again. So Keith, my man, have a good weekend and uh, enjoy the race at Coda. Enjoy your, your 12 hours at Sebring race. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that. It's my first time doing it on iRacing. Um, be out supporting the school of sim racing. Um, I can't wait. It's, it's. It's something that I've never done on the iRacing service, so we're going to see how it goes. It's either going to go two ways. It's going to suck, or it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. They're a lot of fun, so yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it, man. But yeah, good luck this weekend in it, and yeah, we'll be back next week to do it all over again. So everybody, thank you very much, as always, for joining us, and until next week, take care.